Praise the Lord, everyone. It's great to be in the house of God once again. To be able to worship the Lord with everyone. I have a few announcements this evening. The youth will be leaving the church at 6 o'clock on Friday for winter breakthrough in Olive Branch. Continue to remember uh, your fasting days. The calendar is out in the hall. Our focus, prayer focus for the month is Tupelo. We are finishing up tomorrow with the city council, and we'll be praying for the judges starting on Friday. Also, the marriage banquet is February 11th. If you have questions, see Brother or Sister Tucker. Before we get started, we are going to go to the Lord in prayer for some needs. Let's remember Sister Barbara Kidd. Sister Hosell, she is a pastor's wife in South Mississippi with battling cancer. Brother Tony Roberts, also battling cancer. Brother Tipton, Sister Jean Carney, this is Brother Jay Carney's mother. She's having surgery this week. Let's continue to remember her. Sister Fennell's sister also needs prayer. And then let's continue to remember Sister Clayton. It's good to see her this evening. And Brother Tony touched and his mother passed away. So let's remember that family in prayer. And let's remember our service this evening. So if you could stand, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for another day, another opportunity to come into your house, Lord, and worship and praise your name. Lord, we just ask you to be with us this evening, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive what you would have for us, Lord, that you would give us an understanding, Lord, wisdom, Lord, that we could take and apply to our lives what you have for us this evening. Lord, these needs that we have brought to you this evening, we lift each and every one of those needs to you, Lord, those that are battling cancer, Lord. We ask you right now that you would reach down into their body, Lord, and touch them, Lord. Reach into their minds, Lord Jesus, and ease their, their minds, the things that they battle through their minds, Lord. We just ask you right now that you would touch Brother Tony Touchton's family. Be with him and his family during this time. Comfort them, Lord. Wrap your arms around them, Lord. We pray right now for Sister Jean Carney as she faces surgery this week, Lord. We ask you, Lord, right now that you would touch Sister Kidd. Continue the work that you have done in Sister Clayton's body, Lord. Continue with that healing. We ask you, Lord, right now that you would you would be with us, Lord, as we worship you this evening. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. I was you, you can't be seated. I was reading in a book this evening or earlier today, and it was talking about the creation of the world. And it began talking about when God created man in his image and in his likeness. And I got to thinking if we would be more like God, be more like Jesus in our attributes and the things that we say and the things that we do in our everyday life, that we would be his image, what he created us to be. So as we begin to worship the Lord this evening, let that resonate within you and
praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. You can be seated. They were singing the song, Victory is Mine. Amen. You know, God wants us to live in victory. Not just have victory from time to time, but to live a victorious life. Amen. Don't you love victory? And he got victory over the world. He overcame the world. Amen. That we could also praise God. Well, remember uh, the announcements that was given tonight. Also remember our fasting calendar and our prayer times here on Tuesdays from 3 to 8. I encourage you to come and at your convenience and come pray as long as you can, as long as you'd like. It is making a difference. Prayer always makes a difference. Amen. And we're thankful. I want to say thank you for the investments that you're making into this church and the kingdom of God by praying, by being faithful to the house of God, by your fasting. And uh, it is helping us move forward. Everybody say move forward. Well, praise God. It's good to see all of you here. Good to have Pastor and Sister Treach tonight with us. Amen. I know I told you to be seated, but I know you want to stand for the reading of the word. So, sorry about having you up and down, but amen. If I see you falling asleep, I'll have you stand again. Hopefully that won't happen. Amen. Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 through 7. Amen. And God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. Lord, help us tonight. We lean on you. We put our trust and our faith in the living God. Lord, we never want to take you for granted. God, we never want to take one opportunity to praise and worship and to hear your word and to respond to it for granted. I pray, oh God, help me tonight to deliver your word. And God, help us all to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Don't let my title... Uh, throw you. It does seem a little uh, in error, but 
the title tonight of this lesson is Sometimes We Must Go Back Before We Can Go Forward. Sometimes we must go back to go forward. Now, I know that seems weird or strange because to go forward is to keep a continual progressive state moving forward. It's over there. That's where we got to move to. But in this lesson tonight, the Lord had talked with me for several days concerning this about sometimes we've got to go back to go forward. Amen? Now, in the Scripture text that we read tonight, we hear about Jacob. The Lord said, Arise and go to Bethel, understanding that Bethel is a point of beginning. It is going back. Why didn't God just say, Jacob, get up from here and go forward? I've given you promises. You have my word. I've given you great experiences. And I want you to go and take the lands. I want you to grow and multiply. He didn't do that. He simply says, arise and go to Bethel. Go back to a place. Go back to a place of our first encounter. Go back to a place of a freshness and a newness and a, and a an encounter with God. A place where you first met with me, learned of me, felt me, experienced me, heard my voice. I want you to go back to that place. And we would have to ask ourselves, why? What's the importance of it? Let's, let's look a little further in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 through 30. The Bible says, as soon as that is thrown up, Amen. I didn't copy and paste that particular set of verses, and I should have. Oh, it's back there? Oh. Say it one more time. You must go back to go. Now, I'll play it. <laughs> Genesis 32, 22 through 30. Give our sound and media a great big hand. They, they do a great job. I promise you. I wouldn't want to try to make it without him. And he rose up that night and took his... Now, y'all can't do this. Too wise. No wonder he had problems. I I guess it took two of them to keep him straight. And his two women service, so it got worse. And his 11 sons and passed over the Ford Jabbok. Now, while he was there, he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over all that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. I'm not going to get into all the story. But there he, he was on the run from Esau, and therefore he was desperate. You know, when we get desperate, I'm just going to try to do some teaching. Not I like to get excited and preach, but I'm going to try to do some teaching. And there's points I want to bring out that we can relate to. When, when we get desperate, we're willing to make desperate measures. And it's sad that too often it takes problems or tragedies or dangers or fears to get us to move into a place that God's already been wanting us to move into. To seek God in the way that God has already wanted us to seek Him But too often we linger or we postpone or we procrastinate and we wait till trouble comes. 
or we wait till we really need God to cover us, to help us, to deliver us, to heal us. And it's in those times we're willing to throw caution to the wind. We're willing to lay down everything. We're willing to put aside all distractions, agendas, and we just need to get in touch with God. He has our attention. Amen. Anybody ever been there? But it's sad that it takes that sometimes. But thank God that God will bring us to those places to get us to that place in Him. So it was during that time that it was the stirring of His heart and He was desperate. He was in trouble. He didn't know what the day would bring. He didn't know how life was going to end up because Esau had vowed to kill him to get revenge. And so he needs God. I mean, you need God. And He's always there for us. And so here he is, he's wrestling with the angel. You know the story. And he won't let go of him until the day break. I mean, until he blesses him. And just before the day break, he, he asked him his name. And he said, my name is Jacob. I'm that supplanter. I'm that deceiver. And the angel of the Lord said, no longer will you be Jacob. But you shall be Israel. For as a prince thou will have favor with man and God. And it was there that he named that place Peniel because he saw God face to face. That's not a literal. Understand that. That close encounter, that intimate encounter with God where God showed up in his life and there was something that changed in his life. So with this experience, we would think that Jacob from this point forward has his act together, Genesis 32. Remember that? We would think at this point Jacob is totally lined out. But we'll find out that he's not. Now let's go a little further. Let's go to Genesis. Not that I want you to go there. I just want to point it out. Genesis 35 in our, in our scripture text, he said, Arise and go to Bethel. Right? Has God has told has God ever told Jacob that before? Or is this, the, this is when he tells him, arise and go to Bethel. This is not the first time. In Genesis 31 and 3, if you can throw that on the screen. And the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of thy fathers and thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Now, where is that? Well, let's go to verse 13. Genesis 31 and 13. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, where thou vowedest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return to the land of thy kindred. He's telling him to go back to Bethel. So Genesis 35 is not the first time he tells him to go back to Bethel. You know how long it's been? How long ago this was in Genesis 31 and 13? Ten years. Ten years earlier, God was trying to get him to go to Bethel. And he didn't do it. He procrastinated. Jacob didn't make the move. He still wondered. He still began to just continue to live his life on like it was. So it wasn't very long that... He had the encounter with Esau. 
that drove him to that place to get across to Fort Jabbok that would wrestle with an angel. But I want you to think about it, Pandran. He was already asked or told of God to go back to Bethel. Why didn't he go then? Same reason you and I didn't go. When God began to deal with us about going back to our Bethel. And I, what I want to point out is this. All of this could have saved a lot of trouble. If he would have listened to him in Genesis 31 and 13 and went to Bethel at that time, things would have, he would have saved a lot of trouble. I won't get into all of that. But he didn't. He did like you and I. We postponed it. We procrastinate it. We don't know if we're ready to go there. Or maybe we're just not listening like we ought to listen. So just a little further then, he has crossed Fort Jabot because Esau's on his trail. He told Esau, I'll meet you at Seir. But when you look at it, he went the opposite direction. He went to Sukkoth and to Shechem. He's not even sticking to his word. Because he's Jacob, he's in control of his life. He has this experience with God, and the Lord tells him, I, I want to change your name. I want to make you an Israel. I want to change you from being Jacob, that supplanter, and that deceiver. And I want to change the way your destiny is. And I want to make you an Israel because I've got a plan not only for you, but for all of my people. I need an Israel. But Jacob didn't go. Even after that wonderful experience of Jabbok, of wrestling with an angel, being face-to-face -face with God, naming that Peniel, we would think this would do it. But it didn't. He still didn't sense the urgency to get up and go to Bethel. You would think after that great revival, after that great breakthrough, that wonderful experience with God in a service or in revival that we would say, man, I want to go back to Bethel. I want to get back to that place and I want to start right there and I want to go wherever God wants me to go and I want to become everything God wants. We say it, don't we? We pray it, don't we? But there's something about the difference between praying it and saying it and walking in it. Because we find it's easy to say it. It can be easy to pray it. But sometimes it's hard to take the steps and do it because there's flesh because we want to stay in control of our lives. But here's Jacob, and he's still, after such an experience, such a promise, he's still not going to Bethel. So in verse 34, or chapter 34, some bad things begin to happen to Jacob's family. His daughter, Dinah, was raped, defiled. Bitterness became in the family because of what they had done to her. So he has them killed. And it's a hard time. Let me, let me try to bring out a verse 34 and 8, if you will. Genesis 34 and 8. And Hamar communed with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longeth for your daughter, I pray you give her to wife. He, this the man that is speaking for his son, now that he has defiled Jacob's daughter trying to get married and offering a dowry, if you will. 
Of course, he, you know, he kills him, takes care of business. But after all this happened, don't let me lose you tonight because this is not the normal Jacob story. There's more to it. Ten years have gonna, are going to be wasted, if you will, where God tried to get him to go and when God finally got him to go. It was only after the 34th chapter, his daughter was raped, he had to kill the, he killed those men. Only then did Jacob listen when God said, rise and go to Bethel. Ten years have transpired. Problems have occurred. Esau wanted to kill him. Hello? His daughter was raped. All these things happened. Ten years have gone by. And just because he would not go the first time. And God said, I want you to rise and go back to Bethel. And this time, thank God, he told his people, he said, now watch this. God did not tell him what to tell the people to do other than go to Bethel. But now that he's listening to God, he's rising up to be the leader that he's supposed to be. Until we begin to truly listen to God, and willing to do what God's told us to do, we will never be the leader that God has called us to be. We're going to play games. We're going to put things off. We're going to be carnal. We're going to just, you know, try to do it on our own and try to figure it out on our own, and we're not going to be the leader. But the minute that we start listening to God and we're willing to go do what God wants us to do, then that leader can rise up in our life. And Jacob became that leader that day. And he said, I, I want y'all to get ready. We're getting ready to go somewhere. But there's some things that's come into our world. There's some things that we've got involved in. We begin to dress different. We have uh, idols. And we've got all this jewelry. And we've got all this stuff that's came into our life. And I'm going to be the pastor that God's called me to be. Basically what he's saying. He said, folks, we got an opportunity. I should have got you there 10 years ago. But I didn't. He said, but he, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's time to go. We've wasted 10 years. We could have been there 10 years ago. But in order for us to go, we got to put away some stuff. We got to leave some stuff behind. We got to bury some things. We got to sanctify ourselves. We got to change our garments. We got to put on the new man, if you will. And when they did that, they went back to Bethel. I'm not going to be real long tonight, I don't think. No promises. But when they got to Bethel, something began to take place. That if he would have known this earlier, he'd have went back 10 years ago. There was a supernatural event began to take place in Jacob's life. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight talking to us. There's places and there's things that God's been trying to talk us Talk to us about. He spoke to us through the evangelist. He has spoke to us in our prayer time. He spoke to us in our Bible reading time. He has spoken to us through the pastor and the and the and the preachers and through the spirit of conviction that says, "Come on back. I need you to leave where you're at. I, I need you to get back to that place because I want to take you somewhere. I want to make you somebody. I've got destiny for you, but I cannot take you there." Until you go back. And it was there. Watch this. Go to Genesis 
35, 1 through 7. We'll walk through it. Is this all right? Kind of, huh? And, Jake, and God said to Jacob, rise, go back to Bethel, dwell there, and there an altar unto God. Make there an altar unto God that appeared to thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau, thy brother. Next verse. And Jacob said to his household, to all that were with him, watch this. God didn't tell him to do this, but he said, put away the strange gods. What is a strange god? I know we don't have the gods that they had, the golden calves, the idol worship, and all of that, just like they had in that day. But yet there's some gods that have creeped into our world. And we're no different than Jacob. How did they get into Jacob's household? Let's just look at it for a minute. When Jacob was leaving Laban's house, God began to strip Laban of his wealth. And he began to double load Jacob with wealth. And so when they went, Rachel and Leah felt like we have nothing. In fact, the scripture says that's what they said. While we're walking, our father's is basically in poverty. He's been stricken. And we know you're rich, Jacob, but we don't have anything. And they began to go and steal the idols out of their father's house and begin to bring them into the household of Jacob. Jacob did not bring them there, but he allowed them to come. And any time we allow things to come into our life, we didn't bring them there. We don't really want it. We'd have never done it ourselves. But we've allowed them to come in through another avenue. The moment that takes place, they begin to affect our spiritual man. They begin to affect where we stand with God. They began to affect our natural man and our carnal man. We don't do that intentionally. But once they're in the house, once it begins to have an influence, once it begins to have an effect on our life, some things slowly begin to erode. And we find ourselves in a place that we had no intentions of being. And God is saying, if, I, if I'm going to take you where I want you to go, and you're going to become who, I want, who I've destined you to be, then there's got to be a change. And the only way that change is going to take place, bear with me a minute, is i got to get you to go back. Now, watch this. Why, we know why Jacob told them to put away the strange gods, change their garments, sanctify. You know, and they brought the jewelry. He didn't tell them. They brought the earrings, right? They brought it to them. But they knew themselves, this is not right. This is something that isn't pleasing to God. Can I tell you, one of the most beautiful places we're ever going to get is when it's not the preacher telling us what to do. But it's when our heart is telling us what we need to do. Hello? 
It's when something's taking place and we begin to see it for ourselves and, and we're getting some guidance from the pastor and things of that nature that Jacob was giving them. But this one thing he did not mention, but they brought it to him willingly because they were saying, you know, I'm on board with this. I, I want to go with you. I want to be a part of this. I'm ready to go to Bethel too. I'm tired of wondering. I'm tired of going in the wrong direction. We're tired of living in the, in the state that we're living in. And now that you're going to lead us there, here we want to be a part and we're willing to give some things up we're willing to make some changes out of our heart not because we're told to but because we know it's something we need to do and if we were totally honest with ourselves we all have been there there's times nobody has to tell us when we start hungering for God we know there's some things that's got to go hello we know there's some changes that's got to be made. Nobody's having to push us. Nobody's having to force us because that don't work anyway. But it's out of a desire that says, I want to do this. But watch this. Ever really needed to go to God? Desperately needed to go to God? And before you went there, you had to do some repenting. Now, you, let me rephrase that. You didn't have to do some repenting. But you felt like, you know, I need to go to God and I, 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 need to, I, I need to get on right track with God and I want to do the things that God has planned for me, but I can't do it in the condition that I'm in because we're about to come into the presence of a holy God. I mean, literally, we're about to come into the presence of a holy, righteous God. And we don't want to go there with junk in our life. Y'all ain't hearing me. We don't want to go there with stuff we picked up along the way. We don't want to go there in a mindset, in a condition that we've allowed stuff to pull us down and we've allowed stuff to distract us. No, no, no. Before we go there, we want to get some things right because we're about to enter into a place of holiness. And when we do that, nobody has to tell us what to do. We begin to do it because we want to go there. Amen. And when he led them there, he built an altar there. You see, there always needs to be an altar. Hello? There always needs to be an altar. Because things die at an altar. Hello? I don't know about you, but there are some things in my life from time to time that I need to care to that altar, and I need it to die. I need an attitude to die. Hello? I need some flesh to die. I need some feelings and some pers perspectives to die. I need some carnality to die. I don't know about you. You may be all angels and everything, but this old preacher needs to go to an altar, and I need to let some stuff die because it's bothering me, and it's pulling me down, and it's distracting me, and it's affecting me, and it's making me somebody I don't want to be, and it's keeping us from being the one that we want to be. And so we have to go to that altar like they made that built that altar. The altar is important. We can't really go back, Brother Bobby, without an altar. Because we can't go back with stuff alive. This came in. Our, is this all right? Don't ever underestimate the importance and the power of an altar. Because an altar is where we lay it all down. You know, like I talk about sin 
You can't poison part of the well. It poisons all of the well, right? Well, you can't just partially die. Hello? If there's anything still alive, it's some live stuff there. So a genuine altar experience is laying it all down. God, whatever you see in my life, God, the things that we've allowed to come into our minds and into our homes and into our lives, and God, the attitudes that we have, the thoughts that we have, our slackness that we've allowed. We're not praying the way we maybe that we should have prayed. We haven't picked up our Bible the way that maybe we should have picked it up. And we're listening to things we shouldn't listen to. And there's voices and there's opinions that are affecting us. It's because we have become carnal and there's something coming alive that needs to die. You know, it's amazing after a great altar experience how we begin to see things different. It begins to be clearer. We begin to think straighter. You ever, you ever thought about that? I mean, it's, it's like a cleansing. And, and those things are not, we're, we're, we're going, what was I thinking? Hello? How had I got there? You know what happened? Some things died that we didn't realize how big of a voice it had in our life. But when those things, Brother McGill, died on an altar, they weren't there anymore. So we feel light and we feel free and we're, our mind goes toward God and we're ready and we're excited about the things of God because all this debris is no longer in our life. Well, clap your hands to Jesus. <coughs> and so after that, let's go to verse 6 maybe. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there a God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. What Jacob is doing, he's been to the house of God. He's never forgotten Bethel. He had an experience there. He saw angels ascending and descending. He saw that as a place, he said, this is none other than the gate of heaven. But you never hear where he said his encounter with God personally. He had an experience with angels. He had an experience and recognized as the gate of heaven. But now he's not talking about Bethel, but he names that place a new name. And he named it El Bethel, which means Bethel's the house of God. How many of you love the house of God? But what he's saying is now, now that I've had this altar, I've come back cleansed. I've listened to the voice of God. I've came to this very place that God wanted to bring me to. And now I've seen something. It is God of the house of God. His focus changed. It's not just church. It's not just going through the motions. It's not just being faithful to the house of God. It's not just being involved in the ministry of the church. But right now, it's about him. He's the one that kept me. He's the one that brought us here. He's the one that forgave us. He's the one that let things die in an altar. He is the one that we're all about. And for the first time in his life, I feel like Jacob got his bearing straight. And I feel like Jacob finally got the order of his life life and his eyes got on God 
Now watch what happened at Bethel. Let's go to verse 5. No, that ain't it. Let me, anyway, I'll just, I'll just tell you what it said. It was at Bethel that God put into the effect his name change. Even though he spoke it to him. At Jabbok, it didn't happen. He said, he told him, your name's going to be Israel. But it didn't go into place. It didn't go into effect. Only at Bethel. And God says, okay, you'll no longer be called Jacob. From now on, you're going to be Israel. And, and look what he begins to tell him. Thy, and God said to him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall, thank you, shall not be called anymore Jacob. See what kind of help they are. But Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. Let's go to the next verse. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee. And kings shall come out of thy loins. Oh, it's getting excited. Let's go to the next verse. And the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it. And to thy seed after thee, I will give it. There's something different about Jabbok and at Bethel. Because now that he's back at that point of beginning of that fresh experience, that point of an encounter in his eyes are on God and God says now that I got you back I can take you forward now that I got you back where I've been trying to get you for 10 years now you can become Israel but now some stuff has died now your home is cleaned out now you're walking in a place of holiness now you become the leader and the pastor that you're supposed to be so now I'm going to change your name because you're ready to be an Israel. Woo! I don't know about you, but that's exciting. Hello? He had to go back before he could go forward. And then we begin to find, and God tells him what all he's going to do to you. He said, go and multiply. You're going to become nation. There's going to be kings that come out of your loins. Ten years have passed. That didn't happen. It didn't happen. Jacob's still not holding up to his end of the bargain. He's still not doing what he said he was going to do. He's still not listening to God. But 10 years later, he became Israel. I wonder what God has spoken in our life. Maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was 10 years ago about what he wanted to do in our life. What he wanted to call us to. What he the things that he wants to see to come fruition and the impact that he wants to use you and I for the kingdom of God and for our families. But we, didn't, we haven't listened. And yes, troubles came into our life and the Esau's and the, and the uh, problems come into our home, but we still haven't listened. I wonder if we listened. I wonder if we really started listening and we make up our mind, God, I'm going back. I need a fresh encounter. I need to go back to that place where you're the most important thing in our life. I need to go back to that place where the world was, or the world, or my life was great and everybody was wonderful and the kingdom of God was the grandest thing on the earth before all this debris and all these distractions, before all these things that come in our life and idols find their way into our life, before all of that happened, that's where I want to go. 
Have you ever longed to go back to that place in God? Have you ever longed to go back to a place of purity where there's love and there's joy and there's peace and there's not all this weight and there's not all this debris and all this stuff in our life and, and we can just go back in the pureness of God. And it's there that God calls us to because he wants to move us forward. Let's stand together. I've got notes that I'm not bringing out tonight because I just want to speak what the Lord's laid on my heart. Our theme this year is greater. Greater. And we want to go forward. There's some First say Israel's in this house tonight, if you will. I can use that. Took him 10 years before God could get him to a place to become Israel. Then look what happened. Look how he began to advance. Look how nations were born. Look how multiple, I mean, a multitude of people came. Kings come out of his loins, Brother McGill, after he got him back to Bethel. I I wonder tonight, what's going to change in our life at our Bethel? I wonder tonight what God's going to bring out of our lives. What's going to be birthed out of us. That's what meant by kings out of his loins. There were going to be kings birthed out of Jacob's or Israel's life. I wonder what God's wanting to birth out of your life. I wonder what God is drawing us back to Bethel for. That hunger, that desire, that willingness to go back to that point of beginning. I wonder what God will birth out of our lives. What will come of it? What will go beyond? You know, when we breathe our last breath on this earth, it won't matter. I know you hear it said a lot, but or have heard it said through the years, it won't matter what kind of car we drive, what kind of home we live in, how much money we got in the bank. None of that matters. What a matter is, what am I leaving behind of an impact on the kingdom of God? What are we leaving behind that where God allowed us to invest into other people? Where there were some things birthed out of our walk with God. Where there were some people and some ministries and families living for God that were birthed out of our passion to reach the lost. Oh, every head bowed, every eye closed. I feel the drawing of God's Spirit. Sometimes we got to go back to go forward. Jacob did. Ephesus did. David did. And we could go through scriptures and we could find other people. I mean, Moses wandered out, you know, backside of a desert, but he had to go back. had to go back to lead God's people out of Egypt. Oh, praise God. God, help us tonight to be willing to go back, to go pick up that prayer life. You know, it's all right. We have came into a time in a world that is so distractive. And we have allowed that distractive to be effective in our life. I heard this the other day with a Terry Shock. This is the Melanie Shock was speaking. And they shared this story. And when I heard it, I thought, 
wow, I need to do that. I'm not doing it because they did. I just thought, you know, I need to do that. And I encourage you to do it as well. They said, but Terry Shock said, I do not read anything before I read my Bible. I don't want anything coming into my life, into my mind, into my spirit before God. He said, I got a text at 2 o'clock in the morning from my son, and I would not even read it until I read the Word of God because I made it a policy, a covenant with God that nothing enters my mind through reading or seeing before God's Word has a place to enter. That convicted me because I didn't do that because I'm like you. We get up, we drink our coffee, and we're going to read our Bibles, and we're going to pray. Let's just be real. And then the phone rings. Somebody knocks on the door. Hello? There's something we got to run and go do. And we just got cheated out of an encounter with God. Are we just cheated God out of that time that He wants with us? So, I did that. I started that. And I've done it every day since. In fact, I go to bed every night listening to the Word of God. I'm not saying I mean anything. I'm just saying I just started doing this a while back. And since I heard this, and when I wake up in the morning, before I crawl out of bed, before Brother Sammy calls, I'm listening to the Word of God, and I'm reading along with it. I get up, and I go to my coffee pot, and I put my coffee on, and there's that my Bible app, and I'm listening. When I go to my chair, and I sit down, I'm listening. No Facebook, no Messenger, no emails, nothing. No text, God's Word. There's some more things I need to go back and pick up. I need to have a conversation with God before I have a conversation with man. Hello? I'm not going to go through the list tonight. That's something each and every one of us, we got our own list, folks. We got our own things that's found its way in our life with the devil. We've got our own things that we've got slack on. We've got our own stuff that's weighted us down, that's affected our thinking. That's impacted our spiritual desires. Have you ever been where you go, God, what's wrong with my spiritual desire? Now, I know y'all super, super spiritual. You never have to deal with that. No, I know better. We're all human. But I've been in places too many times where I said, God, where's my desire? I'm concerned about my desire. Oh, I'm faithful, but where's my desire? Oh, I'm going to do it, but where? it's a lot different when it's a desire or an obligation. And if we're not careful, we'll be serving God out of obligation and not out of desire. Oh, hallelujah. I want to open these altars tonight for us just to come and say, Lord, you're calling us as a church as individuals to come back because you want to take us forward 
if we're going to go and find and experience and live the greater things you have called us to, then we've got to go back to that place of consecration, that place of dedication, that place of cleansing, that place of holiness, that place of intercessory prayer, that place of seeking God's face, that place of clearing everything out of our life that hinders our walk with God. Removing everything that weights us down. Getting our eyes on God of the house of God.